Welcome back to Four of a Kind Podcast, where you will learn from real-life experiences of amazing women and male allies, too, who support our mission to increase women's representation in business leadership. You will hear from founders, investors, startups, corporate leaders, and our own journeys, too. We want this podcast to empower you to go start that business, take that big job, and do it with confidence. So join us and exciting guests, and let's figure out what we can do to get there. Hi, everyone. We have another mini-sode today, and I have a question for the group. What is your Myers-Briggs personality type? Full disclosure, we had to bend the rules a little bit to ensure that we could actually have a mini-sode with an interesting conversation and collect a result. So we cheated a little bit. But I'm going to introduce the Myers-Briggs, and then we'll have a conversation around it. The Myers-Briggs type indicator, MBTI as it's known to some, is a report that is gathered based on your self-reflection. And there's a specific questionnaire that you can complete in order to get these results. This report is based on pseudoscience, psychological preferences, and it's not necessarily truly scientific, but it's an interesting understanding of who we think we are and how we perceive the world and how we make decisions. So just a little bit of a history on the Myers-Briggs type indicator. It was developed by two individuals, a mother and a daughter named Isabel Myers and Catherine Briggs. They based their test on Carl Jung's theory of personality type. These two women during World War II began taking a look at a number of indicators to help individuals understand themselves. They believed that by understanding yourself or being self-reflective, you'd be able to help individuals find occupations where these occupations are good fits based on their personalities. And when you have roles or occupations that are great fits, you tend to lead happier or healthier lives. And so that was kind of the reasoning behind that. What they ended up finding are four different dimensions. And by combining these four different dimensions, you come up with 16 different types of preferences. The four scales are introverts versus extroverts, sensing versus intuition, thinking versus feeling, and judging versus perceiving. The introverts, extroverts, we use these terms quite frequently in everyday lives. And essentially, extroverts are those who get energy from the outside world. So they enjoy hanging out with people and get a lot of energy from that social interaction. Whereas introverts, they recharge by being introspective and also one-on-one interactions are more preferred. And then there's sensing versus intuition. That particular scale helps individuals understand how they gather information from the world around them. Essentially, sensors, they focus on how they feel, I guess, uh, which is a bit confusing because there's another scale called thinking versus feeling. But then those who are intuition pay more attention to things like patterns and impressions. So I guess sensing is a bit more focusing on facts and real life world experience. Would it be literally if you your five senses, whatever you are literally seeing, feeling, smelling versus Oh, yeah. Versus intuition is like, yeah, I, I 
am seeing the red house in front of me, but I'm thinking about it in a context of things that are not actually directly in my line of sight. Yeah, that's a really great way of explaining that dimension. Thanks, Kelsey. And the third dimension is thinking versus feeling. And this particular dynamic focuses on the decision-making process and how information is used to make decisions. Thinkers focus more on facts and objective data. They tend to be consistent, logical, and impersonal when weighing a decision. Feelers prefer feeling, and so it's more like that gut reaction, that gut feeling when making a decision. And then the last dimension is judging versus perceiving. In this dimension, we evaluate how people deal with the outside world. So judges prefer structures and firm decisions, whereas people who lean towards towards perceiving are a bit more open and flexible and adaptable. I think it's how you frame a decision. So judgment in the sense of I have a clear scale or list of things that I'm always referencing to make a decision. Does it fit within this list? Does it fit on this scale versus someone that in my mind is a little more amorphous about how they're making decisions? They might not be so wed to a quote unquote like list of things that they need to consider for every decision. When I think about this, I think about how strictly you kind of make decisions based on your value system. Take religion, for example. If you're very strict in thinking about how you think about religion and how like you follow that value system versus someone that is more flexible to how like current events take you, it's like how strictly you follow a very rigid set rule-based system versus how you let experiences take you to different and you're a little bit more flexible with how you think about things. Yeah, that makes sense. And it reminds me of a conversation that I had earlier today where I have some colleagues who are very structured based and everything in the world is black or white, but nothing is gray. And then I have a lot of people that I know that think that everything, every decision in the world is somewhere on the gray scale, which, you know, there is no right or wrong there. But, you know, we were just taking this kind of for fun to understand who we are a little bit better. And it's definitely a very popular test because it creates a lot of really interesting conversation. And it's the basis for other personality assessments, too. So, you know, we're just having a little fun here. Um, So we're going to explore it today. Awesome. So let's start with our results and then we can dive into what it all really means. So Lauren. Okay, I'm first. I think... You guys are making me go because I'm the only one that's gotten like consistently same answer every time. So I am extroverted, which I still think it's, I'm like slightly extroverted, not, not entirely extroverted, extroverted, intuitive thinking and judging. What I've read about that personality type is you're kind of like the leader. You make decisions very clearly, like, because I'm thinking I'm constantly looking very objectively and making, using like the logic side of my brain to make decisions. And I just go, go with it. The way the personality type is described, it's the commander. And so those commanders are natural born leaders. They embody the gifts of charisma and confidence, which is a nice (laughs) attribute, I guess. But I just think about it as I do go with that strong gut feeling and I don't let emotions drive a lot of what I do. That's where I kind of agree with that assessment that that's kind of how my personality is. So some examples of ENTJs, Lauren, you may have a lot in common with these individuals. FDR, the president, Bill Gates, (laughs) the founder of Microsoft, Vince Lombardi, the football coach, 
Grace and Kelsey, how do you guys feel about that result for, for Lauren? I'm not surprised by it. I find when you label your friends specifically, it gets harder because you see them in every aspect of your life. And I think one of the things about this test is what's the context for it? It feels like not enough information compared to all the things I know about Lauren. So I think that's the only reason I'm like, well, I could add like 80 more adjectives here and then it would be accurate. But um, but yeah, I think it is pretty accurate. I can see Lauren as a commander. Yeah, I agree. I think generally speaking, I think it's, it is pretty accurate and Lauren is if there's one thing I know about Lauren it's it's her being very decisive in in a lot of things really so so that is one thing that's that's I'm like 100% absolutely that's her so what's interesting is that Lauren if you ever want to have a career change or change your career some of the popular careers for your personality type include lawyer or business analyst or entrepreneur or even company CEO. So you have a very bright future according to this test. Yeah. Change your career. You're already doing a lot of those things. I know. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Grace, how about you? So I've I've taken this test multiple times and I seem to be flip-flopping between ENTJ and ENTP. So if we wanted to stop at ENTJ, I can just say that I am very much like Lauren because she just talked about that. So so uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts later on on which one you think is more appropriate or, or just general reactions. But so ENTP, the other one that I've been getting is extroverted, intuitive, thinking, perceiving. And it's been described as a debater. So this personality type apparently is the ultimate devil's advocate, thriving on the process of shredding arguments and beliefs and letting the ribbons drift in the wind for all to see. Debaters don't do this because they are trying to achieve some deeper purpose or strategic goal, but for the simple reason that it's fun. Sorry, guys. So, (laughs) (laughs) so... I guess, you know, it's apparently it also gives them a chance to exercise their effortlessly quick wit, broad accumulated knowledge base and capacity for connecting disparate ideas to prove their points. In a lot of ways, that's true. I certainly don't debate, though, just for the heck of it or just for fun. I I don't want to punish people that way, although it could be fun um, now that I think about it. But (laughs) I think I I I do want to look at things in different perspectives playing that devil's advocate role just I I think it's going to enable healthier conversation and a more thorough conversation if you try to look at things from different angles and I've definitely learned a lot from you because of the way I learn and the way you consider various perspectives so I, I, I do agree that there is that element there I don't think you do it ad nauseum to make us all go crazy. But I have learned from you in in those circumstances. I I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, I think you're probably a good mix of the two, Gracie. When you read the description, it it sounded so dramatic. And the only thing I could think was like, this description is so dramatic, but you are not dramatic. So um I think it's, it's like the funny opposite that, of dramatic. Yeah, all the words that you use, like letting the ribbons drift in the wind. <laughs> Those were like, not okay. my words, by the way. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah, and we were able to get um, a lot of these descriptions can post in the notes where, where these are coming from because there's a couple different websites that um, we use for reference here. 
The perceiving, I think, is interesting, which is why I think you sort of border on the ENTJ, ENTP, if anything, because I feel like I would almost categorize you more judging in the in the sense of you're very data-driven, you're very research-based when you make decisions. So in the sense of not that you're stick to some framework and can never leave, but I think you're always like looking to build a framework when you make a decision. But I can see how you go back and forth because... Mm-hmm that framework might always be different, right? I mean, I I see you playing devil's advocate because we were having the planning sessions for, you know, setting up this podcast. Be me being me had kind of already come up with, you know, what I thought the answers would be. And it wasn't until we were conversating about it and Gracie would throw in all these other ideas and we'd start being like, okay, well, maybe it would be better this way. Maybe it would be better this way. And it was just taking me out of my comfort zone. So I definitely think that that being the beta, it's not a bad thing. It's literally like it brought me out from being that very structured kind of decision maker and thinking I think more openly about a lot of stuff that I kind of already made my mind up about. So I think it's a good characteristic to have, especially in an entrepreneurial venture, that's for sure. Well, I'm so glad you guys don't think I'm doing it just for the fun of it, according to the definition. (laughs) I think it's interesting that there are a lot of inventors that challenged the norm. And Grace, you may have some attributes in common with these individuals like Thomas Edison or... John Adams, and Walt Disney. You have great things in your future. That's amazing. I'm looking forward to my invention. Or also Alexander the Great. So create some sort of empire. That too. But I'm building it with you guys. (laughs) I'll ride your coattails. So Kelsey, how about you? I've also gotten two different results when taking this. INTJ, which is introverted, intuitive, thinking, and judging. And I've gotten that probably more frequently, but I've also gotten INFJ, which is introverted, intuitive feeling and judging. Um, So I think kind of similar to Gracie, there's one of those aspects that I'm probably borderline on and that between the thinking and the feeling. Since I've gotten the INTJ more frequently, I'll focus on that one first. This is when I took the Myers-Briggs test results. This is the description they give. INTJs have original minds and great drive for implementing their ideas and achieving their goals. They have long-range vision and quickly find meaningful patterns in external events. They're independent, skeptical, and critical and have high standards of competence and performance for themselves and others. For INFJ, it's somewhat similar, but people with this personality type tend to see helping others as their purpose in life. They're generally advocates. However, their real passion is to get to the heart of an issue so that people need not be rescued at all. Again, some flair for the dramatic in these descriptions, (laughs) but yeah, those are the two. Thomas Jefferson was an INTJ. I just don't know if I'd consider Kelsey to be skeptical and critical. That those two words are seem a little I mean, at least not outwardly. Yeah, I'm introverted. I do it in my head. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm just kidding. This is another personality test, which is the same, you know, the same four, but they describe it as imaginative yet decisive, ambitious, but like privacy and curious about everything but focused. I feel like I identify more with that than the first description I read, even though they were describing... They were both describing INTJs. Because yeah. I think that thinking piece in terms of like skeptical and critical, that's where I'm sort of borderline. Maybe that's... Oh, yeah. Between the T and the F. Yeah. 
Well, the description around you helping others, not necessarily that that's your main purpose in life, but I'm just saying like, you're just a kind soul. I, I mean, like anyone can attest to that. The entire Wemba class can attest to that. You should probably explain what Wemba is. But yes, I agree, Kelsey. Yeah, our business so school class. So <laughs> our entire business school class will agree with this. So Michelle. I have taken this test a number of times and over the years, it just seems like I have wavered between a couple, but always stayed with the N and the T. N for intuitive and the T for thinking. And and I, I find that interesting, but the ones at the end, the E or the I and the J or P that change. So when I was in high school and I took this, I was an INTJ and I was totally an introvert because I would only like be introspective and think about myself and like didn't really want to hang out with people. But I think that a function of my my job kind of made me a bit more extroverted. I needed to kind of hone in on that skill. And it's not a skill. It's supposed to be a personality type. But I've changed my personality because I've had to be more social. And then J, so judging versus perceiving, I've had to operate in a world where I'm deciding between two options. It's black or it's white. But then as I guess I progress in my career, there's a lot more gray. There's a lot more in between the poles of the black and the white. So that's probably why I've most recently, when I took a test for core work, and I guess they're psychoanalyzing me, but I came out with ENTP, even though, you know, a year or two before that, I came out as ENTJ. It's interesting that the three of the four of us had ENTJs. I'm, I'm curious to see if our audience has, and our network in general, has all these similarities because the three of the four of us have that particular personality type. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting because isn't that one of the rarest personality types, yeah. especially for women? I was going to say the same thing. And we've got three other four of us who are ENTJs, a bunch of commanders. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how we get rare. anything done if we're all like commanding each other. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's about like 2% of the entire population is comprised of ENTJs. Yeah, I think we're self-selecting into this pool of people. That's true. Yeah, there's a reason why we're friends. (laughs) And why we all started a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) If anyone wants to read books with me, I'll be in the corner. (laughs) We'll read We'll read books with you too, Kel. I'm just kidding. I do like reading books. <laughs> yeah. So I think actually, Michelle, you brought up um, a couple of points in in the sense of you've taken the test a couple of times and you're wondering if your personality has changed as a result of work, which essentially as a result of your environment, or is that really the best way to describe it is are your per- are personalities changing? Are these just snapshots in time that maybe they're not meant to be static personality type? Do we think that these should be changing over time? Because I think that especially when you take the test, I don't know how many listeners have actually taken the test. When you go through the questions, to be honest, sometimes I've taken it and just been like, there are 100 questions. I would like to do this as quickly as possible. <laughs> and I think you're not supposed to like linger on anything. But generally speaking, some of it just might be sort of how you're feeling that day, how your last project was at work, what was going on at school, and might be informing some of your answers and how many of these things are actually not changing, even as your experiences change. Not that there's an answer to that question necessarily, but 
just something to to think about that these might not be static. I do remember when I took the test most recently that the instructions tell you to consider what you would choose in a home setting. And I thought that was very interesting. Why the home setting? Not Why not the work setting? Why not when you're out with friends or, or whatever? Why is it how you must put yourself in the home setting? And I took this test in my office. So that means that unless I had two hours to answer a hundred questions in a row, which I'm pretty sure I did not have two hours to answer all these questions in a row. It's probably interrupted a couple of times. The the interruptions probably influenced how I felt when answering those questions from a gut reaction standpoint, because they do tell you to not linger on the questions. I wonder if I were to take this particular test in a room where my door was closed and no one could interrupt me, and I was having a really good day versus a really bad day, would those change the result? I think it's not meant to be a perfect test of your personality type right and and i'm sure you could get various results and and we have three of us or all four of us actually have had more than one well actually except for lauren more than one type but the fact i i think the fact that you've taken it multiple times and have been getting you know one or another probably shows some sort of consistency right but having said that I think you're a true testament to the fact that your personality type can evolve from, you know, earlier on in your life to now after X number of years of experience at work and in life in general. So you brought up work. How do you think we can use this as a tool from a work standpoint? So I think... Being self-aware is extremely important. Again, not that you have to stick with what these personality type descriptions are or what your test results actually are or tell you. I think it's a good starting point in terms of telling you how you typically act or react to a situation, how your your mind, your brain works. And then you can sort of evolve and, and try to adapt to your environments depending on who you are. I, I think it's just increasing your self-awareness. And Lauren, I think I think you have experience building teams. Do you think that this would be useful in terms of identifying certain attributes that would be useful, whether in a particular role or to find individuals that complement each other? It's yes and no. So yes, in that obviously increasing self-awareness helps how you interact with teams. And I think it can help in maybe thinking about how you want to maybe put together a diverse team. But I would hate to think that you by taking one of these things that's it's an imperfect test and you maybe make a self-fulfilling prophecy you're putting together a team that you think is extremely diverse in their thinking and maybe it's not really and you don't want to prejudge people just based on any any additional information you have about them versus you know strictly what might be how they perform and how they work together We've mentioned self-reflection quite a bit, and I, I think, or I wonder rather, how this impacts women or how this dynamic is unique for women in a corporate setting, whether it's that they work in a startup or they work in a large corporation, whether they are individual contributors or they lead um, a large team of individuals. And also, I wonder how it impacts how we think about the the topics that we talk about quite a bit, 
throughout our podcast, themes like mentorship and sponsorship, themes like networking. How do these particular dynamics inform how we interact in those particular types of activities, how we receive the information from those particular dynamics and how we engage in those particular types of dynamics? Yeah, I think they're all good questions. And I think, I mean, what Lauren and Grace both said, I think a lot of it probably does go back to starting with self-awareness. But you have to take that self-awareness one step further, right? You have to contextualize it too. So you can start to get pretty specific about how you best work in different environments, how you respond to people in different ways, depending on you sort of think about the ways which you can take the best parts of your personality type or your the strongest part and really like them to work. And I think historically, there is this sense of one type of person that's successful. And I've talked to and I've read a lot of different articles about this, where the first generation of women in the workplace had this feeling that they needed to just be that personality to succeed. And now maybe there is more opportunity to really be yourself and succeed in whatever way that is. And so it's not that only certain types of people can make it certain places, but really everyone should be constantly analyzing, self-reflecting, etc., and adjusting as needed, but hoping we can push in a place where there's openness to all these different personality types and the benefits of that rather than thinking that there's one specific characteristic that is a the definition of successful. Historically, it was a man, powerful, speaks their mind, extroverted. You know, there's these are obviously stereotyping, but there was a sense of business leader could be put in a box. Like this is the type of person that leads a business. And now if that's expanding, you know, these discussions are, there's more value, there's time and a place to have these discussions. There's definitely a false sense of comfort in following that model or that mold. That's what we told ourselves from a corporate culture standpoint, that you have to fit that mold or you have to fit that type in order to succeed. And I I agree with you, Kelsey. What is true and resonates with all the entrepreneurs we've had on our podcast thus far are truly authentic and they know who they are and they are truly passionate about what they do. And I find it so exciting to hear them talk about what they're passionate about. And they're building these companies around that mission that they want to see come to fruition. And I'm not going to name all the entrepreneurs we had, but they're all very inspiring because they're all following that passion and they're authentic with about who they are. So I, I definitely think that you're onto something there. So with that said, I want to thank you all for taking the time to tune in. And remember, you can also check out more details on the Myers-Briggs test in the show notes. We would love to hear what MB type you are and how you have used the results from these kinds of personality tests at work. And we will have a link in the show notes to have you let us know what your personality type is. I'm definitely very curious. As always, if you'd like to reach us, send us an email at fourofakindpodcast at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram at fourofakindpodcast for the latest news and updates. Don't forget to hit subscribe and rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Have a great weekend, everyone. Bye. Bye.